everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of the Zoom. It's a little smoky in here tonight, and I have been drinking. Maybe that's why it's my favorite podcast that's on the air right now. Tonight, please save the germiest, ash-filled, and smokiest chair for our special guest of honor. She is a music teacher, an opera singer, an actor, and business. Please give it up for Jennifer Carter. Jennifer... Thank you. Thank you for coming on the Zoom. It's so nice to see your face. You too. I see your beautiful face here splashed all across your very glamorous website. (laughs) Congrats on the new website. Thank you. Fantastic. Now, before we get to that, I was wondering if you could tell me when you started developing an interest in, in general. Like, was it from birth or when did you remember... My mom tells a story of me bouncing on a little plastic pony with those like little springs that you can bounce on with a red cowboy hat, about two and a half years old, singing a song I made up going, I'm a cowboy, yes I am, I'm a cowboy. And that was the whole thing, it was just over and over and over on a loop, but basically for forever singing right dancing around the house that sort of thing. Did you I feel like now I didn't I didn't know you until university. So you were going through public school and high school. Was it more, was it more like acting or was it both? My parents put me in like ballet classes at the Y. Mm -hmm. Like we tried things out, but they didn't really know sort of like how to go after stuff. And I remember being in church and listening to the junior choir. And my mom was like, do you think you might like want to try that? And I was like, I could do that. Like that was, Mm. that was huge. So I did a couple years of junior and we moved around Southern Ontario. So I had a couple of different directors and a couple of really pretty good junior choirs, like singing in parts and teaching us theory as we were going and to read music and that sort of thing. And then one of those directors was like, have you thought of giving her lessons? And my parents were like, I had asked for piano lessons when I was really young. And they were like, that's a really big piece of furniture to take up room in our house. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So in high school, it was like choir and band and drama club. And by then um, my family was, my mom would take me to Stratford to see shows and, you know, we'd been Phantom of the Opera and Les Mis and (laughs) all sorts of things like that. And the show all children were forced to watch. You're going to Phantom. God damn it. You can tell we were born at the same time at like late 80s. Like, no, you're going you're going we're all going we're gonna have a lovely time watching two hit songs but I, filler. I, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but my public school went to stuff at the grand theater yes and stratford every year with the drama teacher sort of thing so it was like everything i could get my hands on right. by by high school and i wasn't interested in the academic subjects at that point i was just i was bored i was i loved right i I loved reading shakespeare right yeah those those moments that everybody hated where you had to get up and dramatize something or read the dialogue and i was like i'm on it and okay small group work we're gonna take one of these short stories and set the scene or whatever and i'm like okay do this here do this there blah blah blah, order people around absolutely yeah yeah and so my voice teacher had a community theater troupe that i was in and then i started assisting with the junior group of that and i was the assistant conductor of the junior choir at the church and singing the church choir school choir and band voice lessons, theater troupe. And then I eventually did start piano lessons. Yeah. <laughs> now, did you, community theater, now, did you have a favorite part that you ever played on a computer stage? I only did a couple myself. I did, I really loved our production of My Fair Lady, but I was Mrs. Pierce, which was like the most boring thing in the world. Cause like she, the only thing she sings in the entire play is, I understand dear, it's all been grand dear, but now it's time to sleep. And otherwise it's dialogue. Right. Um, and so I didn't get to do any singing, but we did like a Gershwin show where I got to wear like a fancy costume and sing a cute little song. And we did, a like comedy murder mystery thing where I got to be like a melodramatic diva with some costume changes and that was fun like I came in grade nine we did 
1837 that was originally done with Rick Salutin. Yeah, um, oh, I, I remember that. Um, yes. we did that was that. stuffed in our faces at, awesome. uh, at well, university as yes. well, right? But but they took like three or four grade nines. They took oh, and I almost sure. didn't go to the auditions. Friends were going to the auditions. Of course, isn't that always the way you drag somebody to the audition that's who gets in? Yeah. So I got to hang out with all these older kids who had all of this experience. That drama teacher retired after the next year. So I had her for the club mm. and then for one class and then she was gone and they didn't really replace her. There was like an English teacher that was in charge of drama. Right. And so I was really glad to have the community staff outside that because it was really really limited in terms of what the actual school was doing it is phenomenal what the difference that one teacher being I, there or not being there can make in I people's remember, choices and all kinds of things i remember going to york and hearing people in theater school being like our drama teacher wasn't even like a real actor he all he did was commercials and like film but he didn't do theater and i'm like a you had a drama teacher b holy crap like yeah, it was no, I so far beyond. Like, how about you all stop being little dicks? That was what I thought most of our first year, but that's a whole other podcast, <laughs> Jennifer. <laughs> but it's the, a, a huge difference between the urban centers and being yeah. like in a little agricultural hockey town, right? Of course. Like, and also, I I really feel like when you were talking about being a little kid and your parents trying to get stuff, you know, unless you were maybe in Toronto, maybe. In our childhood years, like say, let's say 82 to 87 or being, being a little kid, you couldn't get anything. You couldn't, like my parents wanted to give me art classes, like art drawing class. Good luck in Cambridge, Ontario. They were like, oh, maybe we get a private with like a real artist. But it's like very expensive. Now you can get anything you want. It's true. You and can all get the kids any of that that you want. Yeah, anything you want. But at that time, sir, I mean, I was lucky I had really high quality ballet classes, but there was a lot like if they, if I decided that young that like, I want to be, you know, I want to get acting lessons. That was not a thing for kids or adults that you could get anywhere near, like we would have had to drive into Toronto to get yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. The one thing that I knew some people that were in the Immobile choirs in London and it was like a 45, 40, 45 minute drive to London. Yeah. And my yeah. dad worked in London. So the idea of somebody already doing that commute every day, having to take me back in for an evening rehearsal, it just wasn't really in the cards. Yeah. All right. So we get through high school. And we go to our first university, your first year. I I quit after one go, Jennifer. I was done with school by the end of that. But My brother to... used to joke that I was going to try them all out before I yeah. actually graduated. All Start York University Theater. But the first year theater was just generalized. Okay. And then you had to audition again to do whatever it was that you wanted. Yes. So you, you, but you did, did you? do the whole first year you did do the whole first I year two. i did a year of theater oh, you, studies too I you did two years that. okay my mind is uh it's yeah, blurring no. over the years well and it it all became a blur because then i took a year off and took courses at the conservatory and then i wanted another year of that but my parents were like you'll yeah. never go back to school yeah so i did a year of general arts at u of t oh my god like, Jennifer, i forgot about that i, I remember now religion, a history an English that I ended up dropping and some stuff at the conservatory that I really enjoyed. And then I went back to York for music, but it, it had those times to sort of figure out what I wanted to do. I knew I yeah. wanted to go into performing. I knew I loved the arts, but in high school, I had done up to my level six RCM exam. If you're singing and auditioning for schools, they're looking for like level eight or nine. Eight, yeah, I was gonna say I, it's an eight anyway, right? Yeah. And I was not there and I didn't have the piano background and I, I wasn't really there. So I went the theater route because it was still performing. It was still that stuff. And I didn't really know what I wanted. And then in theater school, I missed, I hadn't realized how many rehearsals I had with the band and the choir and all of this stuff. And all of a sudden I had like, I was taking voice lessons downtown Toronto. Oh, oh that email, I remember. Yeah. Like four <laughs> times the sum of what I would pay in my small town. Yeah. And it still wasn't a lot for what people in Toronto would have paid, but 
to my little brain it was and that was one hour a week so the the stuff at the conservatory was to like catch me up on ear training and musicianship and theory stuff that i didn't have because i had started late or was behind in terms of people that you know have piano when they're five or six and have a musical family and know how to steer them and i was still trying to figure out like i applied to sheridan because music theater was it was right. interesting and and combine those two things but i had no dance background and they can't it doesn't matter how hard you try they can't teach you to dance in three years if you no. have a dance background no and my voice was not suited to it my voice sits really high and i had no middle voice at the time no, i could sing like adult cosette in les mis there's one song nobody remembers and you're there to sing the high notes and the ensembles but that's like that was the only thing my voice could do at that point then i went back to york for music i auditioned several places i still remember when i didn't get into western my mom going why don't they see how talented you are and she did not understand that just be it's not like i've got grade 13 english i got a good mark in it so therefore i can go to school for english she didn't understand the extra training that yes yeah is extracurricular and i was lucky enough to have had some of that and that they could manage some of that but they had again my dad jokes the only culture he knows is agriculture it was so rural even though it was southwestern ontario it wasn't prairie rural they just they had no idea and yeah. so i you know i got myself back into music school went back to york and did my singing thing and then i went to university of manitoba for my masters and studied with tracy doll there and started doing this crazy opera thing now, I, before we get into that, though, I want to point something out, because when you decided to change track, you had gone through that first year at York. Now, our, you can argue how effective some of our classes were. I don't I don't know. But what I do remember was I thought you were really good. And that's why I was like, that's too bad. But I could see you weren't happy with it. And I didn't even know you that well at that time. We were like acquaintances. Mm -hmm. um, but I just thought... And I didn't see you, do, you. We'd done like scene studies and stuff, and not together. Mm -hmm. But you, <laughs> there was there in in the first year. I think there's a lot of people, and I mean, I'll do so. You know, some a few of these people did become successful. It's not. I'm not trying to say it's every single person, but there's mm -hmm. a lot of showboating happening, where kids are up there just going, "Watch fucking this," and you're just like, "Oh, I yeah, dial that back by about 10, You know, I was already classes. a director at that time, and I didn't get that either. <laughs> but we're watching this, and it was a, a lesson in directing because you start thinking, "What would I do to help this?" Instead of like, I never wanted to sit there and go, "This is shit. This is shit." But I'd start thinking, "This something could be better here." But what you always did was, some, you'd just be up there, and maybe somebody was going nuts in your scene study. But I was always like, "This is real." This person has a situation that's actually happening. And this over here is a, a huge profan. And sometimes it didn't mix. But <laughs> you would actually come off as the, the, the stronger presence in the scene because you did not also allow yourself to be swept up in the other person's energy. And that happens a lot of the time too. So that's what one of the things that really made me notice you that in your wacky fashion it made me notice you the first day she had a skirt she came in with a with her huge blonde curls and the skirt made out of ties and i was like oh now like this was what was this like 1992 or something let's just put that on there yeah. yes, at the time it was very happy now it would be maybe a little clownish but um oh i think there was lots of clownish there was lots of like value village fire sale finds that it was just like do you love crinolines? Like, it was like... <laughs> yes, I do. Yes. Crinolines and corsets and, yeah. and sequins and layers of fabric and yeah. All the art kids were pretty, pretty, like, I, or at least in our little group were pretty extreme. Because I mean, even me, I thought, oh, I'm like a normal. And I look at some of those pictures now and I'm like, the fuck <laughs> am I doing? <laughs> it, it was the late 90s. It was the we 90s, were... man. We were looking for something. Um, yeah, it's funny that that first year of theater school, trying to find my footing and figure out, okay, I still want this, but this isn't what I like. I miss music and yeah. how to where to go and that sort of thing. There were certain aspects of those classes I adored. Yeah, I loved 
reading the plays and the theater history stuff and the small group work, especially the big group work, not so much because it was really easy to get sidelined or not be in the in no that took over. Yeah. Um, the small group work loved. Yeah. The exercises in the acting classes where you're like, you have to be aware of where everybody is at all times. Yeah. You're walking in, honey. Let's just do this. But, but you know, like you're, you stop and close your eyes and where is so-and-so and you have to know where they are. Yeah. That is so much like when you're on the opera stage and you've got to see the conductor, but you can't really, and you've got to sure. listen to such and such in the orchestra or whatever. That, that heightened awareness thing. Yes. I love that stuff, but the improv games, like you were saying, there's lots of grandstanding, lots of look at me. The improv games would just leave me in the dust. I would basically panic attack. Yeah. There was a lot of anxiety about that. And there was a lot of anxiety about, okay, so if I don't want to do non-musical theater, then I'm in the wrong spot. Well, then does that mean I suck or, you know, whatever that is. And I, yeah. I didn't have all of the Toronto urban privilege in terms of drama courses and being savvy it, to what and was going a, on having a resume already but even things <laughs> how like half the people in our class who had been on road to avonlea i'm like enough enough you're a well, child on road to avonlea that's i great. did a, i did an audition for some sort of workshop at one point i don't remember you know there were auditions being advertised on the board all the time you just yeah. went to everything but it was this group audition and they had us all improv and we we're on the subway and somebody comes up to me improving and is like uh, I'm a lost kid. Can you help me find my mommy? And I'm like, okay. So I start, you know, right? Yes. And you keep yeah. going. So I start asking people for help. Everybody's so busy doing their own shtick for their audition that nobody is willing to help. Yeah. And then, and then when they eventually stop it, they're like, why didn't you press the yellow button on the wall? And I'm like, cause this isn't real bitch. And because I'm not from Toronto and That's right. it's not a real subway. If I were from Toronto and I was looking around, if I were from where I was from and not from Toronto and on a real subway, there'd be a yellow bar there with a sign saying, press this for an emergency. Great. But if you're not from there and you yeah. don't know these things and you've been on the subway like maybe three times in your life, then when it's an improv thing, right? Somebody yeah. could have easily been like, oh yeah, press that button. No, uh, yeah, but that's not a good improv scene no, because exactly. one they're not supporting you and two i loathe subway improv like i can't even tell you because every time like... i watched or had to be in one which i dreaded <laughs> everything would escalate to a scene where you would press the yellow button but i'd be like but when i do what are we gonna do this isn't real you dumb horse like i i was a very uh, well-balanced well balanced child going through my first couple like... years that you're it was also like not done, you know, because everything was student run. It wasn't like six people on a car. It was like 20 people yeah, all right. improving at the same time. Yeah. But I had some terrifying experiences that made me really <laughs> pull into myself yeah. and question my performing ability. Yeah, for sure. Even though improv, I would say, doesn't always give a good barometer, but that's not what they're saying. They're, the stakes feel like anything I do, I'm if I do it wrong, I'm failing at all of this, which I don't, I mean, I you know, Jennifer, I'd be interested now to see how some of those classes go, because I'm wondering if some of that shit wouldn't fly anymore, um, because they were pretty hard on us, right? Yeah. And I've, it's funny, I've, I always, um, I don't know if this will stay in or not, but I hear this stuff and I'm just like, hmm, like some of it I'm a little mixed on, but I, I understand where it's coming from. Like, there's a lot of pushback now with students being like, you can't tell me that, you know, I don't physically look good or, you know, what have you. And I, I agree and disagree because I'm like, I agree that you can't say like, you shouldn't be an actor because you're fat. That's some bullshit. But I, it's just like you can't tell everyone they can play anything they want either. Do you know what I mean? And I feel like there's a little confusion there and like, this is me and I am who I am. And it's like, that's great. But you're going to get certain parts that are like you. Yeah, it's it's a, a balance between explaining the way the world works or being yeah. honest about the way the world works and but then not putting a value judgment on Ex on yeah. you know what i mean and yeah. or saying saying we hope it will change in the future but right now and I, it, yeah it's 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 an odd thing i mean i certainly i don't did you ever get the end of the year talk 
at the end of the first year for, you know, our, our acting classes with yeah. the, the TAs, they had like, or maybe, I don't know if it was first semester or what, they had an interview with each kid mm-hmm. where they talked you through. And I, I do remember some people coming out like in tears. Yeah. I'm not joking. Like, and they no, were, I remember they that. Being dramatic. Like it was, it was rough. I remember sitting at cafe tables. Yep. Waiting I think I, turn I, think I might've been with you. Yeah. Um, but uh, I think that, that I don't know what all the, all I know is what mine was like mm-hmm. and mine wasn't that bad, but you do, you know, there was a, a very kind and polite way of saying you're so odd that I don't, you know what I mean? Like, like facially. And I, but the thing is, I already knew that. And I was like, I, you know what I mean? So I, and, and he didn't say like, you're ugly and big. I don't know. Like there wasn't any of that, but I was just sort of like, I, I wonder if it was, I think the people who were really upset actually weren't getting a looks warning. They were getting a, and see, I didn't get that. They thought I was okay. It was the other, and I just thought that would be devastating. And I would have been devastated. It's interesting you brought that up. I haven't thought about that in ages. My talk was what happened in the second half of the term. I was told that I was one to watch for the first half of the term. And then I seemed to hide or shirk or whatever, which is just about the time. It was like just after Thanksgiving that I was like, I don't think I'm where I want to be and trying to sort all of that stuff out. Like, why am I here? Yeah, or this isn't quite what I thought it would be. I didn't realize how much I would miss music, just that it wouldn't be there as well. Yeah, there was nothing about music or musicals. They were very Mm -hmm. serious. It was too serious. That's just my two cents, but it was wow. too serious, right? But um, not that, mu- I shouldn't say music. Well, I'm, I'm thinking of musicals, not opera, right? But I, yeah, there yeah. was never, I mean, that t- that was just not done. <laughs> I ended up, it, they had this, this once a year festival called Playground. And for two of those, I was in a comedy musical and people fucking loved the damn thing. Oh, they because were brilliant. Well, and also because we never did something that wasn't, dead serious yeah it was always dead serious and when that came out and it was actually funny people were it was like it was like a relief people were like oh thank god somebody else finds this funny too but you know what that theater school was where i started going more often to see shows because you had to and because you could right it wasn't like twice a year travel to another city it was all the time okay what are we going to this weekend that's right and the five dollar dress rehearsals at the coc you took me to one of those that was only my second opera in my whole life you took that was oedipus rex and and symphony of songs oh barbara no no, it was barber i think you knew you were like let's take it into something lightweight (laughs) (laughs) let's ease this giant in gently (laughs) to the opera but that was fun. And yeah, they were $5. Yep. You imagine that now. That's not happening. Oh, I <laughs> yeah. But that was really my first exposure because like Orchestra London did one concert opera every two years, I think. Right. And again, it was like 45 minutes from home. But my then boyfriend, my now husband, got me tickets to see Carmen in our grade 13 year with Orchestra London. And that was my first like live opera experience um before that a friend in like late elementary school early public school put on the Les Mis soundtrack and do all the choreography and sing along with Phantom and stuff she started listening to some opera and exposed me to Tosca for the first time Mm -hmm. then when I was in Toronto started going and um, when I was taking those courses at the conservatory you know I was taking musicianship stuff and theory stuff, ear and rhythmic training and harmony and counterpoint and history. And there was a scene study class and I got to sing some opera and it was like, oh, wow. And I had done a little bit in my lessons by that point, but I hadn't done anything staged. Right. And sort of it's combining that performing, like acting with the opera. Yeah. And having the character stuff happen through the the voice. So once you'd honed in on this very easy and <laughs> <laughs> like get rich quick scheme of being an opera, opera star, 
you go through how many years were you in school because i feel like it was like almost a decade (laughs) (laughs) i was in school forever i did two years of theater school a year not officially in school taking community school classes okay a year doing that plus general arts yeah two years in music and then a year that was essentially off but i took like one course at york because chris was still in school six to seven years for undergrad uh, and then how long did it take to, the masters was uh, two years One it year. was supposed it was supposed to be two but i ended up doing an opera apprenticeship program that they had with right when um manitoba opera and it involved a school tour and some like promotional events for whatever operas that were going on so being in the choruses of the operas with manitoba opera so because of that we stretched the masters over almost three it was like two and a half yeah seemed like it was never gonna end. and by the time you got that master's can i say you'd also managed to birth a child and take care of that child and so, then graduate with the baby the two master's recitals were like the equivalent of your thesis yes so we didn't do one in the apprenticeship year because there was so much other stuff happening so i did one in the second year and then the third year i sang it on the 8th of march and Nan was born on the 13th of April. <laughs> and then I got my diploma in May. There you go. And then we moved home to Ontario in June. And it was just like super quick. I was relieved when you moved back to Ontario. Oh, I don't know I how you so felt. <laughs> yes, get, that's enough time. I loved Winnipeg. But Chris was like four hours away. Halfway yeah. between Winnipeg and Regina. And we were seeing each other like once every three weeks. It was a long couple of years. I didn't know how attached I was to my geography, right? You don't know because it's just here and you just take advantage of it. But I remember yeah, one day it was raining and he was just newborn because we were still in Manitoba. And I was like, do you smell that? You can smell the rain. When we move, you're going to have rocks and hills and trees and water that aren't here. But it was so dry out on the prairie. And yeah. it's so funny because I... If you had asked me before that experience, I never would have said that I was connected to attached to my geography. What? Right. Right. But that was definitely a thing. Well, it's like when people come here from like BC, they're freaked out. The mountains aren't there. But then when we move out there, we feel boxed in. Exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So you're back in Ontario. That's when the teaching started. Basically, That's when the teaching started. But what's, what's your first, what's your first like move? outreach wise to try to build up connect because I feel like this is your thing you're just like let's get this pot boiling well I mean okay here's the thing the first audition I went to after we moved back I went and sang for a company that I had done an offer with I had performed with them before Mm. and before I moved out to Manitoba for my master's I had enjoyed working with them very much. I love the guys that ran the company. I was like, great, awesome. This will be fantastic. I'm singing so much better now. And I went and sang. And it, it had been a while, right? Because I had been just momming and moving and things. But yeah. I was still singing well. And I was getting myself back in shape. But I sang this audition. And they did, you know, the whole awful audition. So what have you been doing? And I'm like, well, I got my master's. I moved home to Ontario and I've got a brand new baby. And they're like, yeah, but that was in the spring, right? Like, what have you been doing since then? It's like October. My baby is six months old. Yeah. And was this all men? All gay men that didn't have children. Yes. Yeah. Uh, But if they were straight, they still would have said that, Jennifer. Let's be honest here. I it it was yeah. and it was rough. It was yeah. ouch, like gut punch, right? Yeah. Because it was so hard to go through all of those changes at once, right? Chris changed jobs. We moved home. We bought our first house. We got a baby. I went through postpartum depression. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? And then we got trying... a baby. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> but you know what? It's a lot of work. You're oh, up it's nights, an unbelievable life change. Like, yeah. Right. And just be like, yeah, but what have you been doing since then? Yeah. And I was so shocked. I remember being shocked, like the whole ride home, like an hour and a half, two hours in the car being like, oh, and that that's something that has been hard because I've never been living in the city since school is sometimes people don't realize how much of a deal it is to like 
rearrange things so you can have the car or get somebody to drop you off at transit so you can spend yeah. two hours getting into the city to go and do something and then spend the two hours coming back and you've had to arrange childcare and you've had you know what i mean like it can be a huge deal yeah sure maybe it's an hour coaching oh it's an hour out of their day that's like six hours out of my yeah day it's if half I have your day infant. is gone yeah and a lot of time right at, the, at that point when your baby is less than a year to be away for that long is a lot of time it's a lot of energy someone else is putting into caring for that baby and it's a lot of emotional energy to be out of your routine and try and i mean i loved it in terms of going to do it but sometimes it was incredibly stressful and sometimes people don't don't they just don't understand it's not even that they don't empathize they just have no idea how much it takes to even get to that one hour of rehearsal. I think they, yeah, coaching. they sympathize, but they can't empathize Yeah, because they can't think about what that, what the reality is. I don't know who that company is. To me, that strikes me as a little dickish, to be honest, because I mean, sometimes the, the person doing these auditions gets a little kick out of doing a brusque thing where they test you a little bit but these questions are pointless but even teachers or coaches right where they're like oh can you come at one instead of two and it's like not really you're going going through the list of what would what puzzle pieces would have to switch in order to do not everybody is gonna hop on the subway go two stops and be right there and and you know that's a choice we made for our family we own a house we you 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 know what i mean our kids can play in the yard that would not have been a thing and also chris probably couldn't have had a job in toronto nearly as easily are you saying that that attic apartment you guys had (laughs) wouldn't have been suitable to raise kids in (laughs) but i I feel like i had to climb over like a half door to get into the apartment (laughs) that that was to get out to the patio you had to climb through the window just but yeah the door that on an angle place was perfectly safe for children when you talk it was barely safe for it us was, it was oh, not it was a room. very cute very weird little place that you <laughs> just two adults really couldn't fit you know what it was it was a perfect one person apartment except it had two people and a cat <laughs> yep and, and then we had friends over and now when when in this timeline do you go overseas um so i started teaching right about the same time as i did that audition right um about nam was about six months old and it took a while obviously to build a studio and to get some regular students and then i got hired by a music school in grimsby a couple days a week so i had my students at home and then drove there two days a week and that's what allowed me to save to go and so i went to germany in 2012 and there was a a workshop or something it was a no it was just it this one was an audition tour i was doing the whole singer thing of let's try and get work right um i have uk citizenship my dad was uh, my dad's family came to canada when he was five so he was born there so i have what what was then (laughs) an eu passport right thanks brexit smooth Uh, (laughs) Um, and so I was looking to sing. I got a lot of really um, encouraging feedback in a system that is extremely blunt. Yes. And that I, I, you know, I got some really harsh feedback too, but I remember other people's stories so much clearer and more horrifying. Um, like the girl ahead of me at an audition that came out and the agent had said, schöne Farbe, gorgeous color. Schlecht Stimme, awful voice. <laughs> Loved the dress, but didn't like the voice. Oh, well, the dress. <laughs> but, but, um, oh dear. Like the thing over there is that when you do an audition, they tell you what they think. Here they yeah. say, thank you. Yeah, exactly. And you don't know if that means never, I never want to see you again, or wow, that was amazing. Yes. And you, don't, you don't really, and <laughs> you, you don't get, hey could you try blah 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 or we'd like to see blah 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 because so many singers are so defensive and i've talked to people who coach who are like 
They, they'll tell a singer, can you try it this way? Oh no, well I blah, 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 instead of, oh, okay, thank you for that feedback. And then you can throw it away when you get out of the room. Yeah. But people get so defensive that they argue. And so people don't want to give that feedback. People get kind of weird in audition. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've sat through enough auditions myself <laughs> and those weren't that big time, but it was enough that people were weird. Yeah. Yeah. So, but in Canada, right? You just get thanks. Oh, thanks. Yeah. And, and you, oh, you could go in there and set yourself on fire and they'd be like, okay, we have your information. Like, <laughs> I think part of it is it's Canadians do not want any kind of confrontation. And they also, there's so many souls trying to get an audition that if you take that extra five minutes or two minutes, that's an extra five, two to five minutes per person. And then you're an hour late. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I think absolutely. they're just like, just There's get these guys time. through the fucking thing. But then you also, you know, you might be paying for that with not focusing the way I, I don't, I don't know what the solution is, honestly. I don't know either but, because in the opera world, a lot of the time people are still paying for auditions, which doesn't oh happen God. everywhere yeah. else. Right. And you, how many times do you pay the application fee to the same company? in a row before you stop wasting your money because they're not interested. Yeah. Is, do you think that's part of the reason though, that you do get the feedback is because they know you paid something and um, it adds like va it, a value to the audition no, in some No, no, because, um, in Germany, you always got, well, not if you went to agents, you got feedback, not necessarily if you're going to job auditions, but okay. if you went to agents, they would give you feedback. Here I have seen, there, there's been all sorts of stuff in the news this year about like people paying ridiculous fees. I've noticed and that. that and yeah. they're not get, being granted auditions or their videos not even being watched or there this is a is lot, very serious problem. It, it is, there's a yeah. lot wrong with the system. I think the advent of video auditions will help once we get out of <laughs> COVID yes. time. Yeah. Um, I think that's something that will stick around and then they will be able to invite just those that they are interested in to travel and have the expense of going to a live audition and then give them a real hearing instead yeah. of hearing, you know, 50 people in two days and not remembering who's who you can pick your top five or your top 10 and just hear them and yeah. skip through the, <laughs> skip through the YouTube clips. There's a very interesting, I don't want to, I mean, I love your singing and I enjoy going to the opera. So I don't want this to be seen as like, but I just wanted to get your take on, like to me, there's more so even, I mean, I think the same thing exists with ballet, but I also think they're not going to have quite as much trouble unentrenching themselves from, and I'm, I'm not going to go into like, you know, there's, there, there's racist stuff across all of these old European forms of art, but that I just mean like the culture of, the auditioning, the unbelievable level of formality, the the charging. And I mean, to me, it's just like, how are they going to, I, I feel like at some point they're going to be sharply forced to like pull the underwear out of the crack. You know what I mean? It's just like, guys, the world has changed. And I feel like they're clinging mm -hmm. to literally a hundred years ago. They're like, we are not letting go of this. And it's like, you have to, especially now that it's starting to show that like some of this stuff with the paying is crooked. Yeah. There's right? been a lot of movement this year. Um, ridiculously old fashioned things like <gasps> a soprano in pants. What? That's what I'm saying. Right. Like, but that is unreal. a thing. Like I you know. wouldn't four years ago, there are very few women that would be brave who sang high parts like that, who would be brave enough to wear pants to an audition. If you're a mezzo, you can get away with it. If you sing pants roles, but you wouldn't want to, if you were taking Carmen to that, it, like all of these, the yeah. stiffness and stuff, it is really letting go. It will take a little while because opera moves slowly, yeah. but a lot of the young artists that are coming up are just not going to stand for it. Like that's how, what it has to be. Like they have to take some control and not let these pervy old guys <laughs> tell them what they can yeah. and can't do. It's, it's, I'm, it is a woman's problem. It's not, I mean, yes, the men do have to dress up. I'm not saying they're not formalized as well, but, but the whole again, thing with like, like, don't wear a pair of pants and it's, it's kind of gross. But right? th the men, you know, they can wear pants and a shirt. Yeah. And maybe a jacket. 
and there's so much fewer of them they're probably going to be impressive no matter what you know they could go in there and fart and they might get a a a part (laughs) in the show yeah you know it's true you know it's the same there's an element of that for sure it is a lot easier to make a living at it as a man because there are more gigs available i have never i have never been you talk about the business and the studio i have never been more relieved to be only with the air quotes a studio teacher that is an entrepreneur a business owner already as covid hit and everything was shutting down i actually ended up sick with covid as we were shutting down and still taught all of my students online because i was terrified they were all going to quit and i literally would drag myself to bed and then to the computer to teach at the piano to teach the lesson and then back to bed for the two weeks that i was sick i think i canceled three days out of the two weeks and i made sure you know i I, oh i did tuesday last week so i'll do thursday this week and not cancel the same people but i was lucky enough that my entire roster except for two stayed with me till june because that was like their contract the end of the school year Mm -hmm. normally i leave the summer open i travel some of the summer for singing things which of course was not happening yeah normally i have like a third to half and from my 24 i had three for the summer and then about half of them came back in september well that's good and about half yeah you know it was hard financially but not nearly as hard as not having work the ones i have now that are sticking through it are totally into it yeah they they want to do it you know what i mean even though they've had this awful hard year with the strange high school schedule and they they find it a bit of an escape and so it's really special to get to be the person that shares that energy with them and i've never been more relieved when i'm seeing my my more successful performing colleagues that they just had more to lose they, yeah and they had they had no backup plan because i've been forced to live by the backup plan and sure. sing, well, sing catches catch can right i was really lucky i was also really lucky to recover from covid and get back to singing well because yeah. not everybody does and that you didn't either really suffer any permanent symptoms no i had it took several it took a couple of months to get my breath working the way I would expect. Right. And there may have been some compensations happening from all of the coughing and the strain that that took on the system. And in July, I suffered a vocal polyp, a a single traumatic event that forms a lesion on the cords. And so it took a couple of months for that to heal and go back to normal and then I got to go back to singing and it took a couple more months to get my stamina back up um so it was not a great year 2020 for singing there was a lot of time off between COVID and then the polyp but the singing just had to match everything else shitty about the year yeah yeah just had to go in step it's such a relief to be able to do it and I know a lot of singers who in quarantine times have been like uh why bother practicing because I went through these periods oh. where I, I wasn't physically able, I couldn't sit at the piano without being dizzy and falling over. I couldn't yeah. breathe well enough to get through a phrase, even demonstrating like level two RCM rap, like, yeah. come on. Um, for students, I, when I could finally sing again, it was like, let me at it. Yeah. Out well, of the I mean, way. It, can't, it can't be a good idea to just stop. It can't be, even if you're in well, good health, because it is a muscle, right? You yeah, can't just let it coordination be it takes, dormant. It, it, it takes time, but it, do, it does come back. For people who are heartbroken about or terrified about what's coming, of yeah. course, you can't sing well when that is the case either. Sure. So to take a break and then build back up slowly makes perfect sense. But my breaks were forced upon me. <laughs> so it's a huge relief to just be able to do it at this point. <laughs> what I have, I have such a fond memory of this event makes everything like looking at your teaching website, how you set up schools like in Welland and then in Kitchener, not a shot. Like I could have seen that through a crystal ball was being at your parents' I always see to me in my mind, it was like a farm, but it's not, Mm -hmm. 
yeah, it so it's, a, it's, a, it's a little farm and yes. we were at your parents farm and you had designed a brochure for your own summer camp and and now you laughed it but i mean and it was cute but it was a real thing yeah and you were like yeah we're gonna cover this this is how much it costs this is what we're gonna do and here are the kids and i just thought this gal's a real hot like and yeah, i mean I that, that in the summers. highest form of the word like Thanks. you you that was like i'm not just getting a summer job i'm making my own summer job and making money and you did and i, really I admired I, that but i could see now when i look at the site and everything i'm not surprised and when i saw how fast when the COVID thing hit you just snap here's my online classes here you go i had started a colleague in hamilton nikki loney that runs full voice music which has like all sorts of resources for teaching young children um she had talked about online lessons mm. previously and right. one of the things was using it for makeup lessons. So mm -hmm. if somebody's sick, instead of them not having a lesson, because you know, the rule as a singer is don't come in here sick, right? You got a stuffy sure. nose, stay home. Yeah. Don't make me sick. She would have them do an online lesson at the time that was so strange. Yeah. Uh, but I, I started, I introduced it last year in the fall as studio policy for snow days, because in my experience, you know, you have certain kids who come on Monday and certain kids who come on Tuesday and certain kids who come on Thursday or whatever the days of the week are you teaching. And every year it'll be one particular day. One year on Thursdays, there were like six weather things and it right. was always Thursday. And then you end up behind with those kids last year that they could choose to come if they felt comfortable driving but i'm at home i don't have to drive anywhere right. so they are welcome to make that choice and otherwise they can log on and so often my adult students are like i don't want my husband to hear me i don't want my children to hear me i don't want my parents to hear me and will come but very often the parents with children taking lessons are like there you go go do it in the living room and so not all of my families had tried it yet, but they all knew it existed. Right. So a couple of them had tried it. You know, one woman didn't want to drive in a thunderstorm. She's like, is it okay if we do online in the fall? I was like, sure. So they, they knew about it. It wasn't like, what, how do we do that? It was like, oh, okay. She's been right. I read about that in my, you know, my studio handbook, whatever. Oh my um, God. So, but I was really lucky that Nikki yeah. had suggested that. And I was like, hey, there's- a In hindsight, you both look like geniuses. Let's put it that way. But it, it is, I mean, I think with you, you always stay interested in what you can do for these kids and for your own studio and for the profile of the studio. And that's, again, I do admire that. Like even the few times we, if we'd hang out, you'd come and it's always sort of like, what are you Toronto on Thursday? I have three hours. What are you do? Sometimes <laughs> I could, I could latch on to one of those hours if I wasn't at work or something. Yes. Like you'd, if we passed by like, God, I don't know where's there now, but that music store blur. Remini, house Remini. of music. And you yeah. say, Hey, let's pop in here for a sec. And it wasn't just for yourself. It'd be like, what can I, what can I look at for these kids? Like, what can I get? And I, I just thought this is, it's exactly what you're talking like you're that person that we were looking for as kids in the kw do you know what i mean like that's i and and not just sorry some old church lady who's gonna show you how to say <laughs> you're like what can i keep on top of everything like what's what's new and what yeah i've done a lot of continuing ed i mean first off i just love it right i want to learn about it but when i was taking voice lessons i was super into the classical stuff i was all over that right I had a family that went to church, so I was familiar with church choir and classical music that way. But I had a classmate that went to the same voice teacher that like went to her lesson and did, may the path rise up to meet you. And then went to the karaoke bar and did, wherever you go, whatever you do. And never did the two voices meet. They were completely yeah, right. separate. So when I started teaching, and if she had taken that to our teacher, our teacher would not have looked at it with her. That was what I really didn't want, is I wanted to teach them to be able to use the whole instrument to do whatever they want. Yeah, no not like stuff. your fun party voice and your formal singing voice it should be yeah, one instrument that's it and yeah. you develop the whole instrument and so i mean if they're adults i geared a lot more towards their interests but if they're kids i feel like it's an education thing they need to be exposed they don't know what's out there they need to be exposed to all sorts of different genres and things and so i am constantly looking to learn last year i had a subscription service that i kept up till august that was 
a speakeasy business cooperative that was a huge fount of information, all sorts of brilliant people there and a really good way to network and learn who is out there. So if I do run into something that I don't quite know how to solve in a student, I know I have resources, I know who to go to. Right, right. And I did one tiny little workshop with my mentor about changing voice because I had had one male voice change in my actual studio and I had done some reading on it. And so that workshop I knew related to actual students I have currently in my studio. There are tons of things I would like to look at, but I don't have unlimited time. I don't have unlimited cash. No. <laughs> and, and I don't You want to un- make money from this, right? <laughs> I, I, that's exactly it. I yeah. don't have unlimited brain power to take it all in. Yeah. So I made myself just take a break from that in order to figure out what I already know. Yeah. Which take an has, accounting of what's yeah. on the shelf. <laughs> yeah. What's yes, in the mind palace? Look at my humongous bookshelves behind yeah. me. Now we've now we've been going on for a while, but before we finish, and I want to thank you for being on the show, just in case I forget at the end, I do want to briefly mention that I had the distinct pleasure of directing you in a show that it's I'm not sure that death. you wanted to do. <laughs> I wanted because I I kind of twisted your arm into doing it and you did it and you were spectacular and i i knew it jennifer there that's my arrogant thought i loved it and i so wanted to do it but i did not think i was gonna get that script memorized oh yeah it was a was a real bugger it really was (laughs) and the only times the only time i had trouble memorizing music the first time ever i had trouble memorizing music was when i was pregnant with name doing that master's recital Yes. And then I was pregnant with Samuel and you cast me in this thing. And it was like 12 pages of this. A bizarre dialogue. Very bizarre yeah. dialogue. Well, yeah. and monologue, essentially. Of, I, yes. I, of, well, yes. A one person <laughs> monologue of, of a fantasy world. A total. But I. I yeah, knew, non-linear images. Non-linear. Right? There's I just no... wanted to put everybody through what I'd already been through. <laughs> but I knew like the. And I read that so much way like rewind before that show was ever thought of i'd read that and i thought of you as soon as i read the thing and i don't know why because we added the little bit of singing to it which wasn't there yeah there was something operatic about it to me in the 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 massive drama of the character and the the tragedy the the grandeur the the, yes of the yeah and i just thought oh it'd be real good and you know what i didn't i didn't want amanda play it i don't know why because that's what had been done Mm -hmm. but i just thought what no 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 i'm gonna do something else and i just I just thought of you right away. And I thought she's beautiful. She she's and I knew you were you were nervous about it, but you're so disciplined. I knew that it was gonna go in there and it was gonna be there. I ended up Googling memorization tips. <laughs> and the one that worked for me, I still teach my kiddos in the studio for memorizing their songs because it was the only thing. It was like I had a little cheat sheet with the first letter of every word. Oh my God. And, and it was like a line and then a line and then a line. And so it would look like gibberish, but it was like, if you had twinkle, twinkle, little star, it'd be T-T-L-S. Yeah. And then the next line and then the next li- And I carried, and that thing was like, like a, a line sheet of paper, two columns, two sides. Oh yeah. Two. It was so humongous. Well, it was every um, word in the thing. Good oh. Lord. Because it was, yeah, it was a long thing. It was, I forget the actual length of time it was. I feel like it was like 15 to 20 minutes. It wasn't, it wasn't endless, but it feels like it is when you're doing a thing like that. I know I I have also, I have not, I had not done non-musical theater in like 15 years. (laughs) I think everything had been opera or music. We've both got some balls, Jennifer. So, I'm just like, we can pull this off. It's way <laughs> easier to memorize something if it has a certain rhythm, if it has, a, yeah. or a certain melody, right? Yeah. You you learn the tune and you go with that, or you learn, it's, learn the rhythm. Nam's memorizing digits of pi, and it's, you listen to him, he's got them in little groups, and it's sure. 
da 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 he's got a certain rhythm for the little groups and so you can just you can't do that that way no i mean it had a poetic ring to it but you can't recite it no. you have to yeah you have to really dig into it but that was that was such a magical little thing and you expecting just made it weirder and oh and, yeah and and uh spookier it was, it was I great. had such yeah. a great time working with you because I did go into it with imposter syndrome thinking I'm not an actor what is she doing with this and you just you helped pull it out of me but just encouraged me to trust that I could actually do it and yeah. it it was a great experience Oh, that's, well, that's good. Yeah, that's, it's honestly, I mean, it was a little weird thing. We did it in a room. It's one of my favorite shows I've done. I was, because I was talking to Ryan, Ryan's doing one of these shows too. Uh, the the oh, awesome. oldest, the oldest vampire supermodel in Toronto <laughs> also doing this podcast. And you know, it's funny. I, I am going to talk to Alex too. That's my triptych, the three of you. I just were like Ansley and I were sort of just buzzing around our, our shitty lights and trying to get that right. But I never worried about you guys. And that's the way I realize should a show should be going, but it's not always the way the show's going. Sometimes you're real worried about your guys, you know. It was a huge honor to work with them and to be included with them because yeah, it was a, that was a cute show. Me. So that's, I wanted to say thank you for doing that. And wow. I, I treasure thank that, you. that memory. Should we hit people with your websites? Sure, absolutely. My teaching website, which is about to be redone, is resoundvoicestudio.ca. I teach in Kitchener-Waterloo, but again, everything's online right now. So in theory, I could teach anybody anywhere. That's right. <laughs> um, and then my singing website is jennifercartersoprano.com. And that's a lovely website. That's a, that's a new website. I yeah. mean, newly redone, I should no, say. No, absolutely. I, did, I had a photo shoot in August after we came out of lockdown and before I could sing again. Before and, we went back into lockdown. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then a former student of mine actually does websites and he's a singer and he did that for me. So Yeah, it's really really lovely and the pictures are, are fantastic he's gonna do the studio one too he hasn't done it yet but yeah, I was they should like, they should be sisters the two well sites. and it's just so nice once somebody else is doing it right when you're <laughs> when you when you own a business you do everything you do all of the things yeah. and then all of a sudden that's something that i don't have to worry about and somebody else is doing it and it's yes can i pay you to do more of that <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, take please. this and just do whatever <laughs> Don't ever call me about this again. Yeah, exactly. I, I do understand that once this ends, do you have any plans? Yes. Um, I mean, well, we all I have was, plans. Yes, we all have plans. I was supposed to be in Berlin for production of Strauss's Elektra last August, which of course was yes. postponed. Yes. It was supposed to be this August and they've decided that it can't happen. So they're doing a role study thing online. So I'll get to do some excerpts and I'll get to coach with the awesome coaches that were involved with that program. And they're planning on staging it with orchestra in <laughs> August, 2022. By I the won't time we're 50, that, you'll but, definitely be in this show. But, but I am learning the role and it is not a bad thing to have some extra time with Strauss because sure. harmonically it's pretty complicated, uh, but it's, it's so gorgeous and I love singing it now that the little one is finally in school that was my terrifying thing right you wait four years for a kid to get to jk and then all of a sudden we're talking about whether or not they should go to school and it was like <laughs> except like, that this is the year i'm supposed to be able to learn music again and then, this kid? oh my god <laughs> and then you feel awful because it's like i don't want him to get sick what, no it's turned no, out really we well um i've been really happy our school board mandated masks right from the beginning for all grades even the yeah. little ones yeah and that worked out that that's been really quite good and it's been good for both my boys to be with their friends of course well yeah yeah you need kids need socialization right yeah I but mean, some some kids need it more than others i agree but i do think it's important for like yeah. like I, I i don't love the idea of going like like endless amounts of time without any yeah. other you know it's, it's really tough <laughs> but yeah, so I'm learning some music. I am looking forward to it, being able to hear people in acoustic space and not through devices and and being able to sing live without feeling like I'm a biological weapon, you know, with a feeling yes. that I'm a danger. 
it that it took a lot of time to get over that it was really horrifying to think that this thing that i love to do so much could actually be dangerous it's very strange it's been a wild time and it's not over yet but we're seeing a light at the end of the tunnel that's what i can only hope uh, yeah and uh that someday i can do the green room not the zoom green room that would but be amazing that would be fun but until then and i'm looking one day jen we'll be sitting we'll be at an asters we'll be eating some kind of disgusting bread and and getting fat naturally instead of just by sitting at home doing nothing <laughs> i don't like that <laughs> but hey, oh, i love it once again, thank you so much. You are such an intelligent person to speak to. And I'm decided to uh, come on the show with me. Now, if you enjoyed the Zoom Green Room today, please leave a review or a rating or both. It really helps out the show. I'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.